Okay, this is a quick introduction. We're going to give you the complete tar episode. We were so passionate. We're supposed to do 10 minutes on tar. Molly, mm-hmm. we did an hour. This we did is an hour. This is not a movie Which show. but appropriate because the movie's two hours and 40 minutes. So, I okay. mean, if you just even want to scratch the surface, you got to. <laughs> All right. So, this I'm is just a bonus. A bit. This is a bonus, bonus episode. We're going to label Christmas. this episode this week in streaming, but we're going to give you the entire tar breakdown. So, you got 20 minutes last week on Thursday. We're going to play the 20 minutes from that. So, if you heard already, you can fast forward. And then the last 40 minutes of the discussion. Just a little stocking stuffer for you. Let us know what yeah. you think about an hour on the film Tar. And if you see it, let us know what you think. Molly, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas. I hope you're having a great one right now. Enjoy, right, everybody. Enjoy, hope everyone. You have a great time with your families. As long as you're in this mood, I feel like it's a good time to hit you Whoa. with A.O. Scott. Let's Uh-oh, talk about Tar. As yeah. long as you're all fired up. Now, fired we up. made a promise after our viral kerfuffle vis-a-vis the A.O. A.O. Scott, A.O. Scott Gate. Top 10 movies of the year. List. A.O. Scott Gate. A.O. Scott Gate. Uh, we made a vow that mm-hmm. we would watch these okay. 10 films. I'm going to go ahead and predict okay. we're going to watch two, maybe three, but we have all watched I'm the watch second. All 10. I'm definitely going to get to Lon's all 10. Gonna I'm going to try. All 10. I'm going to get to seven. I'm in, I'm in, I need an assistant to, I need an assistant to watch these movies for me. I okay, think so I'm already four out of 10 down. So I'm really? doing great. All right, yeah, we, Neptune Frost, Tar, uh, Flux Gourmet, and then, uh, there, oh, nope. You and must then have I seen, no. even one more. Hmm. No. All right. Well, Look this is you. your job and you're 40% it's through. Not it's not job. our job. Not it is your job. job. You're the, one of the great commentators <laughs> on film. It's true. It's your job. It's your calling, if you will. We watched Neptune Frost. Last week, we talked about Neptune Frost. We all liked it so much better. Two of you loved it. I liked it. Like, we were a solid, we were the literal critic to consumer split. Jason wrote a very eloquent review and surprised us all. Thank God. By not. Much better review than A.O. Scott's, just in terms of prose and insights. Keep going. <laughs> Bullet Scott. dodge there. This week, Legend we're back for another review. We all watched number six on the list, which is Todd Field's Tar, Stalin, mm. starring Kate Blanchett, Naomi Merlent, and Nina Haas. Mm-hmm. The film got a critic score of 90% on Rotten Tomatoes and an okay. audience score of 72%. It is about uh, the life, the, the, a moment in the life of Lydia Tarr, who is a renowned composer at the height of her career before the tables turn. Mm. as her past catches up with her and her life begins to spiral okay that's the setup and now we'll talk about like okay do do we want a little like go around the horn what did we all think that sounds wise yeah sure i'll go last okay I'll go uh, last. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, yeah. I, I loved it. I think this is, it, 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 it is clearly one of the, one of the best movies of the year. One of the most expansive. There is a movie it really reminds me of that people, not enough people have seen. Uh, uh, let me know if you guys have seen it. Kenneth Lonergan, the guy who did You Can Count On Me. He's the writer director. It's called Margaret. Anna Paquin is in it. It's from, I think from 2011. And it is, it's this very expansive, long movie, like three hour drama. It's just a character study of this young girl played by Anna Paquin. It's stuff like a dramatic thing happens to her during the movie. So it's not like nothing happens. Yeah. But 
it, it's really it. not about what happens so much as it is about the extremely complex emotions and aftermath that it has and how it impacts her life. And it's almost like this coming of age kind of thing, but it, it's so universal. It's really about all sorts of just like the, what it is to be alive at this moment in your life and have things happen to you. And that's what Tar kind of reminded me of. Like it is about, there are things happening to Kate Blanchett. It has a narrative thread, but mm-hmm. I'm, I think it's it's so it's about everything. It's really about power and control and influence and regret and guilt and how all of these things sort of interact and, and play around with each other in you know an adult an adult's life. It's very much about her. It is all her. Like the whole thing. Okay, so I will say, so you are like, give it a number. Oh, are we doing one one hold to scores, ten? Hold scores. Let's oh, do hold scores. Let's, hold let's scores. do our let's okay. do our qualitative like feelings over, on it. Right. Then we'll go to specific. Let's do this. We'll do our qualitative feelings mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. We're on the horn. Then we'll go. Then to we'll go into specific scenes, specific moments. That will be uh, spoiler territory. Right. Good. Call. And then we'll give scores at the end to keep the audience sure. engaged. Yeah. yeah that sounds it. like a good plan here. Okay. So Molly, okay. your general feelings about right. the film pre-spoiler. I mean, I will say. Pre-spoiler. That in intro, I movies are too long. Just mm. generally, especially okay. in the age of streaming. Like if you're sitting, like I was, you know, my son is not home. It was I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and watch this movie. Now, you will, knowing me as you do, appreciate that this is colored by the fact that all during this one one hour and fifty nine minute movie. So it's whatever it is, or no more than one hundred and fifty nine minutes. It's over two yeah, hours. It's, like, it's a solid two hours two, and forty minutes. Five two thirty. Yeah, two thirty eight is what I kept saying because I kept. Yeah. And then all throughout this two hours and forty minutes, my brother was texting me because he got to watch the new John Ryan series or Jack Ryan series. So he's mm-hmm. watching that, which is my favorite genre. <laughs> and I'm watching two hours and forty minutes of Kate Blanchett. It is like, that is all you're getting by God. You have some good tertiary characters and she's amazing. But if you are either in or not in on Kate Blanchett and her performance here, yeah. I was in. And there are things about it. The more I read about it after it ended, the more intrigued I was. I found it to be a bit of a. It was a too long. It was like a okay. bit of a slog. No I didn't hate it. I really like it. And I like what it was doing. I just don't, I don't have that kind of attention. I'm adult okay. ADHD over here. No problem. That's, That's honest. That's honest. Films, uh, you know, different films appeal, appeal to different people. Uh, She's I, have a very, I have a very important announcement to make. Many of you have known that I have told everybody quite clearly. And this whole A.O. Scott Gate, the kerfuffle, the, the Donnybrook, this entire Donnybrook, this craziness has all started with him leaving Maverick the best film of the year, e- not even in his top 10. Him putting it, I believe, as number six on his list, right? It's number Tar. six. Can I please confirm? Yeah, I think so. I think is number six. Number six. Yeah, it's number six. Okay. This proves A.O. Scott's incompetence. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen this without for him. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have seen it. I heard the buzz. Okay. Oh, you and would I will not explain. Have. This is clearly, and I haven't seen the other eight films yet, but for him to put Neptune, Neptune Frost, Frost as number two, and this as number six, shows the complete 
absolute incompetence of A.L. Scott. Oh, oh God. Come because on. this This is film, definitely the last time we're doing this segment. Because <laughs> this film, <laughs> I'm allowed to have my opinion. Oh, I'm boy. allowed to have my opinion like about no A.L. Scott. He can is. have his opinion about mine. <laughs> and what I'm embracing here is what I'm learning through this process oh, God. is that top 10 lists and film criticism is the greatest, greatest honeypot in the world. I'm leaning into it. This is tied with Top Gun Maverick for the oh, best wow. picture of the year. Wow. This film wow. is going to become not only this year's number one film uh, across the board or tied with Maverick in my mind. Not only will this be number one or two on everybody's list, etc. When they make the top 10 films of this decade, this will be on that list and it will be high on that list. This film will age. Uh, in it, and it, its importance at this moment in time will grow. Now, let me explain. And we're not doing spoilers right now. The film is about a problematic Kate uh, Blanchett, who, as a female, lesbian, abusive, horrible, but brilliant uh, conductor. Let's leave it at that. That's not going to spoil the film for you. This is all revealed in the first couple of minutes. It's, you know, it's in the trailer. She puts on a performance that will be the best performance of her career. And one of the best performances in the last 20 years in any film. She's extraordinary in it. The filmmaking is unbelievable. There are memorable scenes in this. There are monologues. There are two sentences. There, there are moments that we will talk about and debate at dinner parties all year long. And that's one of my criteria. May not be A.O. Scott's. I don't understand <laughs> his criteria. It's obviously flawed. But my criteria is... If you were to watch this film as a group, how long would it stay with you? How many hours after the film would you want to talk about it? Just like the White Lotus season two, which last night at dinner, I had dinner with a bunch of besties, uh, you know, eight people, everybody had seen season two of White Lotus. They couldn't stop talking about it for the first hour of dinner. Specific scenes, specific moments, what happened? This film is a hundred X that to White Lotus in terms of its importance and relevance. It, it will be dinner party discussions for hours afterwards. And what I love most about this film is that it challenges the viewer. It is not straightforward. Even the critics, the mighty critics who lord their lists upon <laughs> us and tell us who is number one and who is number two, they can't make sense of this film. It's so hilarious <laughs> to me. It is so it, is, it, it proves the point that this film is so important that you have one set of critics saying that this is, this is the absolute pinnacle of the discussion about an artist creating great art versus the behavior and the human being of the artist, whether it's Bach or it's, you know, uh, Kevin Spacey, uh, pick a horrible human being who, who you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein, the artist versus the art. The social, the power of social media, the generational difference between Gen Z, Gen X, and boomers is all on display here. The power dynamics, identity politics, everything is absolutely meditated on here, but they don't spoon feed it to you. You must take it in and interpret it for yourself. And that is the brilliance of the film Tar. And that is why. It is number one tied currently with <laughs> Maverick. I will need to see both films again to make my ultimate decision. 
this is the goddamn film of the year, I believe. <laughs> and Kate Blanchett wins the best actress. And A.O. Scott is absolutely drunk, oh asleep God. at the wheel for making it number six behind <laughs> Neptune Frost. <laughs> Neptune Frost is number right? 60 it's like to this fine. being number one. No. That's it. I'm done. I'm it's very like excited like, about this film. We're fine, and then we're not fine, and then we're fine yeah. again, and then we're not I fine. I can have my opinion again, and then we're fine. With this one. Anyway, all anybody want to react to my feelings, and then we'll get into spoilers. This is for I the mean, audience. I think, I think it's interesting. I think there, obviously, everything you're saying is is present. I mean, there's there's a big scene that's become very sort of famous where she's at she's oh okay, we're into spoiler territory. We are. Here like, we go, like, spoiler there, territory. There, like. I feel like a lot of the discussion of the film does set, sort of come back to like cancel culture. And it's about this person who's this very prominent high status person in this scandal. And that is, all of that is in the film. But to me, it's so much more about the internal psychology. It's, it's really mm, we're yeah. in Lydia Tarr's brain throughout the movie. Yes. And we're sort of seeing the impact on her of losing her grip and like realizing what kind of a person she's been. Yes. And this experience of watching it slip through her fingers and the panic mm -hmm. and the fear. And to me, that's what it's, it's more about that than necessarily like a treatise on what to do about this cancel culture. Like, I feel like there's, there's a reductive and I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm saying like in the culture more widely, I feel like there's been kind of a, an attempt to like put this movie in a box and like, Oh, that's the problematic cancel culture. Woke is a movie. It is and not like, that. No, Molly. It's I know. much more than that. I agree. I think it's very reductive to put it in that. I 100%. And I find it sort of disappointing. I mean, it just, it's really interesting because like as a, by the way, let's move into spoiler territory because we won't really we be able now territory. to. You can fast forward to the end. I think that one of the brilliant things about this movie is to use that narrative device among many as this sort of the most obvious lens to get where we're going mm -hmm. with Lydia and her kind of coming apart. And right. it is kind of delightfully predictable that then the US media would be like, this is all about cancel culture and social media. When, first of all, social media hardly figures, right? It briefly figures as sort of a plot device to keep us moving toward her decompensation. And it is in some ways, the easiest direction to go in when you have someone with this much power. Like, mm. someone with this much power, no matter who they are, is always going to have probably some abuse. Like, power they're always corrupts. going to engage because power corrupts. They're going to engage in some kind of abuse. So it's just like, of course, that's how you get there. And, and the film Which doesn't even to take away from that. It's so well set up and it's so taught how you get there. And it is a little yeah. bit unexpected. And so that makes it even more impactful. There's but yeah, that. like this, I'm all about the this lady cracking from the mm. way that power not only corrupts, but destroys. There's like, a, that's there's what a I moment found so where towards the end uh, where she's she's getting a massage, she's got shoulder pain and she goes to get a massage and they line up all the masseuses and they're like, pick the masseuse you want from out of the lineup. In and some Asian country that is not fully explained. Maybe it's Vietnam. It's unnamed. Yeah, it's un yeah I, I it's couldn't figure it out. I, I, yeah, I thought I somewhere Southeast in, Asia somewhere. Some but Southeast I don't, Asia I don't think they put a fine point. A Manila, right. maybe or maybe Manila, uh, sure, in, Indonesia, Malaysia, somewhere like that. Uh, so and she's she's picking it from this line and and there's and it's all subtle. It's all you 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 kind of read into it. It's not put a fine point on it, but it's all in Blanche's performance where she has this road of recognition of this is what I've been doing to people my whole life. I've been lining oh. them up, 
picking the one I want. Mm-hmm. I, I move the, I move people around like pawns. They're not even really human to me. And it's such a complicated idea to capture visually like that. That's what movies are about. If you could take something abstract that we've all felt or that we've all thought about and find a purely visual cinematic way with just an actor and a scenario, what a great point visuals yeah. to bring it together. That's, that's what, that's what movie making is, is sort of all about on the most fundamental level. And the number five. Right. Well, the number five figures in symbolically. The number five figures in because that's the movement that she's like, the whole movie is building up to this performance, this one. And Mm. you know, like the foreboding is there from the first scenes Mm. with her, the interview Mm. where they say, you're going to give this historic performance. You're going to conduct this, you know, Mahler's fifth, the number five in the series in one Mm. month. And you pretty much know immediately that it's all going to unravel over the course of that month. Yes. And then there is, there's like this mysticism to that moment where the girl with the number five is the one who like looks up at her. Right. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. yeah In the five. lineup. And let's be clear. This lineup is kind of saying, I believe that this is a house of ill repute. I don't know. I like. I think it's the visual, like Todd Field shoots it and lines it up visually in a way that immediately suggests brothel. That's the image that we have. I don't know if he's necessarily saying it's because, again, we're refracting everything through Kate Blanchett's mind. Exactly. And so that's right. what she's thinking about. But okay. maybe this is just a massage parlor. I don't think it could we get be. any indication. It's kind of, Sometimes but it does a cigar show. is just a cigar. Yeah. I was going to say as well, if you think about the, the numerical like ordering and ranking, that's what she's been doing with the with the orchestra as well. It's about who's in what chair, who gets what solo, totally. who's in what seat. So that's always been her MO. She's always putting them in order, putting and they're even arranged row. like that, like they're yeah, arranged the in a favorite, semicircle. You're, you're the next favorite. Ooh, very yeah. good, Mom. So Great. much was happening. I mean, despite everything I said about how I thought, I personally thought it was too long. And I personally mm-hmm. think if you're not engaged in Kate Blanchett's performance, you're not going to be able to get involved in this movie yeah. because it's a two it is so movie. her. But Watch it in two sittings. Is it's my a two sitting movie. Oh, no. <laughs> if you, I mean, maybe. If you're yeah. I did it in two sittings. Much, I loved it. You did? Jesus, how much time do you have in your life? Um, no, no, I, I watched it in two sittings because I was watching it with my partner. Oh, you watched and it over yeah. the course of, I thought you watched it sittings. twice in a row. And no, I was no, like, I'm going to hell? watch it again. This, but you guys, the, oh, those those little, I think it's a nice little 10 minute beat in the middle. I, okay, I like, very good. But I don't Molly, like finish your point. Separate sitting. Okay, Molly, yeah, finish I your guess point. I, I have a point to make. The level of like care, every single detail, every single hmm. shot, every single self-referential moment, every single like, realization that's unspooled is like taught i mean it's Mm. like a knife which is crazy because i guess you have to unspool so tightly and then it ends up at two hours and 40 minutes which i know i should let go but like my god take 10 minutes off that for the um trailers very uh for the uh credits very interesting stylistic choice to put the credits at the start at the film aficionados will have a lot to say about that it's not super important to most audiences, but I want to point out there was a New Yorker review. Who wrote the New Yorker review? Ron? It's Richard Brody. Richard Brody okay. is the New Yorker. Richard Brody. Brody. Okay, boomer, time to retire. He reduces this film. Richard Brody, I've now found a critic worse than A.O. Scott. Oh, Richard Brody. Please clip this. You cannot mention both of them. He reduces this film to nice. being a that it's championing in some way. Like this right-wing anti-Me um, Too movement or anti-identity politics is his point. And what I'll say, such a shame. 
this is the okay boomer moment for him when he needs to realize he's done as a film critic. He missed the point of the film. This point of the film is about narcissistic personality disorder and the descent into madness and the enablers of narcissists. I am not a professional film critic, and I got this. What's his kid's name again? It's Richard Brody. How old is Richard Brody? He's got to be over 65 uh, or 70. It's I an mean, okay boomer moment. A, a legend in the in the criticism game. He's Lonson, been doing it for forever. Please, man. Please. Forever oh, no, is probably I, the key I word. Actually, I, I'm also did you read his review? Fan. I read his review. I'm, I'm not a huge Richard Brody What did you Brody think of that either. review? I, I, I agree with you. Missed I mean, the point. It's doing, it's doing the thing that I was basically saying before, mm -hmm. which is it's I think reductive. there is a... It's easy to sort of put this movie in the box of like social commentary movie about cancel culture, but it's that's, not about that's that. a very limited, narrow view of what I think Todd Field is really doing here. Okay, my, yeah. I was so going to say about hold Richard on, hold Brody, on. Let me just finish my point on this, and then I'm going to hand it up to you because I have a lot to say. But this is about narcissistic personality disorder. This is about somebody who has an egot. Right? They've won everything. They've crafted this person, this image of themselves, and they have a blind spot. They don't realize they have narcissistic personality disorder. That's the whole point of that disease. And you look at everybody around you as objects, as tools to be manipulated like pieces on a chessboard. Now, some of the chess pieces are more important than others to her. Maybe her daughter, maybe her, her partner, uh, maybe the latest fling in her orchestra. All of these different pieces, though, are chess pieces in her game to build a brand that is tar. And this film is more analogous. It is not about cancel culture. It is not about identity politics. It's about what you see in a film like The Conversation, Taxi Driver, Macbeth, Full Metal Jack, Falling Down, The Shining. It's about the descent into madness of a person who is so obsessed with themselves and whatever they're building in the world. That is what this film is about. And it is going to go down in the in the uh, pantheon of films in Descent into Madness, when people make a list about characters losing it, Taxi Driver, Full Metal Jacket, well, I don't know what else you put in there, Lon, because you're better at this than I am, Conversation Shining, this That's will be one. in that 10 list of Descent <laughs> into Madness performances. And that is what the film is ultimately about. And when I write my review, uh, it's going to be better prose, but I'm, I'm, wor I'm workshopping it here. Go ahead, Lon. And then Molly will uh, do ratings. Or was on best it. scenes, best scenes. Yeah, he was on everybody's crap list earlier this year because he was the guy that wildly seems to have misunderstood Nathan Fielder's uh, The Rehearsal. I don't know yes. if you guys watched that Nathan Fielder oh, show. Yes. But he was writing reviews every week like, this experiment isn't scientifically valid. You're not going to figure out what the how to rehearse. But he was like criticizing it if it was if As it was if it's the Milgram experiment. Seriously. offered at face value. And it's like, no, yeah. Nathan Fielder's a comedian, sir. This is it's a comedy, comedy show. This isn't like, the Stanford... You, <laughs> Milgram yeah, experiment, right? We're not Prison actually experiment. doing science. This is to make you giggle like Borat. I don't know. I don't know how you could miss that. It's actually pretty funny because through that lens, you know, the idea that he would do both of these as such a Captain Literal exploration yeah, is it's it's pretty just, it, interesting. Because then, because then, there's a whole other element to this film that. I'm so glad that Lon brought up in our chat before because I stayed up way too late after watching it reading about this back half of the movie and the idea again, spoiler territory, the idea that when she's kind of chasing the new cellist and she falls and smashes her face open, that right. that might be the moment where the rest of the movie is not actually 
real Ooh, anymore. There, there, I, I didn't hear that. Inside that's her a great critic premise. on Slate has written this, and then it's sort of built and took on a life of its own on the internet. The idea mm-hmm. being that, and it is true, the third act takes larger sort of leaps from reality. Things start to spiral and get a little bit more dreamlike, surreal. They're they're mentioning that scene where she's kind of lost and there's this big dog barking at her and it's almost shot like a horror film. There is also, there are moments uh, where a ghost appears. There's a character in the film who has uh, taken her own life and it possibly because of her treatment by Lydia Tarr. And at several scenes of the movie, if you look closely in the background, there appears to be a person. Oh my God, I didn't see that. She's freaking there. Look at the other ones. Okay, so there's that one, and then there's another one. There are a few ghosts or or even just like scenes where there's a person, a redhead that we only see from behind watching her. And it could be just a regular passerby, but we know that this dead girl had red hair. Hmm. So this is another one where she's sort of like in the right background. And th- wow. these are these nights where she keeps waking up and hearing these weird noises. See, right. right so there, there are yes. already kind of creepy. There are already these like supernatural when, vibes. Or when she goes for the jog and there, she hears screaming she hears and she screaming. goes and chases it. Exactly. We forgot that one. When exactly. she, when she does go to the basement following her latest uh, love interest or potential love interest. And it's like in a Ooh. basement where she doesn't actually live. And you're like, well, where did right. she go? Is she yeah, traveling so to an abandoned building? I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that this is happening in like a supernatural world. I think again, it's like we're so in her head that this could yes, be his way the descent of right, into madness. That this is shining her feelings of guilt, her feelings of life slipping out of control, a break from reality. Uh, but I do that you can read it as no, she's actually either in a dream or in a supernatural. I don't buy that. And there, I don't buy that. Like there are also those people who, who have you read the really, really upsetting theory that like all of the Harry Potter stories are actually this poor kid in a mental institution is horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. Really, you know, so there's always somebody who will, stuff, but, but I think a hundred percent, like there, the levels of her psychosis are clearly on display in that second half of the movie, but also just like super side note, many times in the very beginning. And then throughout we see the, the cello, the cellist Olga, mm-hmm. I think her name is, and she's messaging First of all, what is that app where she can like message over a real time? Oh yeah, picture? that's oh, yeah. they kind of made that. their own social app. It's live yeah. streaming with her chat on top of it. Yeah, she's messaging with someone about mm-hmm. Lydia. Right. Yes. Very. Who clearly seems to know her. Like, there's that weird exchange in the beginning. It's like, so you mm-hmm. still love her, and then it's like maybe, and that is never explained. That's just happening, and you're mm-hmm. like, wait, did this woman? Is she a plant? Did she already know Lydia? Like. Is she messaging this with is such a great, like, This is such a great happening? observation. I can tell you what's happening. This is part of the descent into madness. What's happening, Molly, and I'm glad you brought this up. This is a very astute point again. There are multiple times in the films where, you know, Kate Blanchett's character is on her private jet from her benefactors. And you have to wonder, all these benefactors are obsessed with her out of some virtue signaling because they love, you know, her as a conductor and they love the concept of her as a conductor. They're patrons. So they're patrons art. who know of her discretions and are enabling it that's what we find out later in the movie they're so cynical these patrons that they want her to be something to them you know in terms of what she represents because the film makes this point there's never been a female conductor she's a lesbian female conductor they want to build her up knowing she's flawed knowing that she's got all these you know uh problematic issues 
And, and that's a whole nother side note of the enabling of narcissists. But you're right. There's a group of people who are on the other side of it who are using Kate Blanchett. There are a group of people who are using her to an end, like her assistant who wants to be the second conductor, who they kind of allude to. I don't know if I'm reading into this, that maybe they had a relationship. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, because she's perturbed when she's talking to another mm -hmm. young uh, potential liaison. And yeah. then there's her wife or partner that she has a daughter with, who I mean, is also an enabler. Suggestion there, yeah. And she's an enabler who's like, when she finds out that she's got another girlfriend or another problem or another Me Too problem or another problematic problem, she's like, why? She's not upset that she's having affairs. She's upset she didn't come to her mm -hmm. so they could brainstorm it and figure out how to get past it, like they did with their relationship. Right. When she became the female yeah. conductor and she was with the first, whatever they call the first chair or something. Yeah, the first this chair. This is a very key point. There were a group of people who were realizing Kate Blanchett is problematic, her character Tar, and they're recording her covertly, they're building up their book of evidence, and then they're also trying to use her. And so that is the disgusting reality that we all have to face, that, or that the movie tries to put in our face. There are people trying to use her, and she's using them, and it's all gross and horrible. Uh, it's also notable that a lot of the people in the film, not Lydia Tarr specifically, but a lot of the other people around her are supposed to be modeled on real life people. Oh, so no. Todd Field is making like the, the one that's really notable is really? Mark Strong. Mark Strong is playing a guy named Elliot Kaplan, who's a, oh, a he's great. investment banker who desperately wants to be a composer. There is a real guy named Gil Kaplan. <gasps> that's basically his story. He's oh. a very wealthy banker who sort of bought his way into the conducting world. And mm. he's uh, conducted what? Mahler's second symphony, but it's not very well regarded by people in the world of conducting. So if you are a classical music aficionado, you right away clock to Mark Strong is supposed to be that. That's oh, the God, real guy. Oh, God, he even guy. looks just like guy. him. This poor and, guy. And, you know, well, he, this, this, this gentleman passed away in 2016, so he doesn't oh, have to see, didn't see this film. play him in a movie. But uh, there's, uh, I mean, there, there's also examples of conductors who've married their their violinists from their, their orchestras. Like, a lot of the elements of this movie, Todd Field must be a, a classical music fan. He's sort he of must lifted be deep. from it's. I mean, that's life. the other, that is the other note, too, which is that it's so interesting that this is such a generational study because I think mm. any Gen Z reviewer, like if you put a Gen Z review next to the Richard Brody review, they are going to be completely different reviews, right? Mm -hmm. There are like totally different storylines depending on what age you are and yes. what mindset you bring to this movie. However, the okay. composer universe, the 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 like density of the immersion into the classical music and specifically like composer reference universe. Yeah. That's a big wall for somebody it's to so get past good. in those first few minutes. It's brilliant. Like the, it, it's pitch perfect. No pun intended, mm. but like to open a movie with a New Yorker it, author playing himself, yeah. interviewing her <laughs> that is so freaking referential that's, that so I was brilliant. like, okay, I, this must be a version of satire, but it's also so dense that I could imagine a Gen Z like just turning it off. Trying to like write stuff like that just blows me away. Like you'd right? have to, you have to make it's it phenomenal. sound authentic. Like what you have to come up with a conversation that a New Yorker expert and the world's greatest conductor would have on a stage in front of yeah, an audience. Yeah, but you like, know what, Lon? In what fairness, a, what a in fairness, the, the the screenplay writer 
got early access to chat GPT. So (laughs) 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 thank you. Call back to this week's big show. (laughs) Okay. This is why the humans are still okay. Have you seen his other films, by the way? No, no, I want to get to that. I want to get to that. But first, hold on. I got, I got to take this around the horn again. Because this film is so amazing. Your favorite scene is going to be my first question. Then we're going to move. Sorry to take over the moderation here, but I'm very passionate now. I want to know everybody's favorite scene. And then I'm going to go around again for your second favorite scene. We're doing two rounds of favorite scene. Then we'll talk about the controversial ending and what actually happened at the end. Yeah. Molly, sorry to be part of uh, the toxic masculinity uh, that my daughter (laughs) accuses me of. But ladies first, what is your favorite scene? If I may, if I may <sighs> say ladies is, first, is ladies I don't first know, that get me canceled. I think it's fine. It's okay. I think it's ladies fine. Ladies first, okay. go. Yeah. Um, I suspect we are going to have scene. A, a same favorite scene occurring. Okay, Here Because my Here literal favorite scene that okay. I will watch a million times over and try to replicate constantly in my whole life is when she threatens a little girl at her daughter's school. In German. Explain what in happens. In German. <laughs> she... Yeah realizes and this is there's so much happening here that's also really interesting because she's like clearly on the road a lot she's kind of absent the other mom is doing the bulk of the parenting but she is the one who gets the daughter to admit that she's being bullied at school like they play this game in the car because the other mom is like she won't say anything i don't know why she's coming home with these bruises on her shins and then lydia through this kind of special connection Mm. That she has with this little girl gets her to admit it by the time they get to school she's figured out that not only is her kid getting bullied but she's getting bullied by johanna Mm. and she approaches johanna on the playground says i'm her father and if you come for her again she does this all in perfect german Mm. and it's like if i hear about this again i will get you and if you tell a parent an adult about this they will not believe you because i'm an adult it is but so believe sinister. me when i say that i will get you it's so sinister and it's exactly how she wields but, power everywhere else around her yes. except in this case she's making it a hundred percent explicit she also self-identifies as the girl's father which right, is, a which is super interesting twist. that like, was amazing thing is like i'm her father yeah. yes so uh, therefore this violence is in some way justified or more real to you six-year-old because i am the violent father in that scenario i mean there's so many layers to that of like calling herself the girl's father there's a lot your favorite scene uh so many uh there there is a there is a scene late in it that i feel like is just a perfect like expression of what this movie is because it's very dark but it's also very funny and it gives you a lot of insight into who this person is the whole movie uh, she's been sort of irritated by her neighbors. Uh, you know, like she's got, she's I know got where you're issues going. with the neighbors. And at one point they come over and they ask her, please stop playing music. We're showing the apartment. And it's a, yeah. we don't want to show the apartment while you're playing music. Not realizing that is a world-class musician who people pay thousand dollars to listen to. Uh, so she starts, she takes out an accordion and plays an original song called Apartment for Sale. That's in the credits, credited to Kate Blanchett. It uh, is. She, she, wrote, yes. she wrote that song. Uh, it's it's such a great moment. Uh, it's what incredible. A, what a so great. Re- really funny beat. Uh, I love it. It's a little strange because she is playing an accordion. And she's, she's playing it out of tune and yelling and screaming. Yeah. I thought if I was a director, I would have 
had her play something perfect and stunning and recognizable. Like no, because a she's box. a wreck by that point. Like no, I know that shows movie, her psychotic break. Yes, right. that is early in the movie. She would have worried. How is this going to sound? At that point, you know, she right. gets just. I just pure thought it would have been better to be like, "I'm going to help you sell your apartment by playing the most perfect thing ever." So the person was like, "Oh my god, this is delightful." But I agree, that was a polarizing moment. Another, th there's so many tiny moments in here. There are two tiny moments that came up for me. There's one uh, where she's having lunch. And she is such a control freak that she's trying to get her new love interest, uh, the cellist. She a cellist, cellist, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. I believe it's a cellist. The Olga. cellist who and these two go together. The this cellist love interest that shows up in the middle of the film, she um, tells her to get the cucumber salad, and she's like, "No, I want more bread. I want more carbs. I want whatever." And the veal, the veal, mm -hmm. and Kate Blanchett is like losing her mind that she can dictate to who's. She, this person she just met, she then loses her mind because she wants to see her performance and the before she wants to get the album of her performance. And she's like, oh, no, it's on YouTube. And then she has to go watch it on YouTube. And it's also breaking her heart says breaking her brain that she has to watch a YouTube video to see this person's performance. And then the moment where she's she the same thing, I'll go to the second and then you, you guys can add if you want. Um, but I think we're good with scenes. There's this mo amazing moment where this cellist, she wants to replace the best cellist in the orchestra. This is a very polarizing moment. She loses her orchestra because she's like, you know what? We should just have a contest or, or whatever. Um, she says they're going to audition for the solo in this cello piece rather than just the, usually the, the, top the first cellist, cellist would yes. do the solo. Very polarizing. She then sandbags it because they, you may not know this, but uh, this was in one of Malcolm Gladwell's books link i believe when they do these auditions they do them behind a curtain so other information can't bias you uh, the, the person's attractiveness their height their gender right, whatever yeah. hair color style but she sees just out of the corner of her eye like the shoes and she knows the sound of the woman's shoes because she ran into her in the bathroom or something and she sandbags it and picks her because she has a love interest in her but then the person happens to be so good that everybody in the orchestra actually loves her anyway so it just shows like these crazy power dynamics just all at once. Uh, and I thought those were like really interesting. Should we go to the ending of the film? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Let's so do the, it. So then, okay, so she has her whole downfall, her which may or may not be a psychotic break. <laughs> and then ends up, you know, goes to sort of a publicist firm and they're like, we're going to do a reset for you. And then we see her uh, in a, you know, a stunning fall from grace in this unidentified Southeast Asian mm -hmm. country. And she is... She has been engaged for a gig and she's taking it really seriously. And we see her studying the music and and like leading, you know, doing rehearsals with the orchestra and saying, like, what does this mean for you? Really doing her like maestro thing. Mm. And then she comes out. She's doing her getting ready thing. She's like the same level of nerves and kind of OCD behaviors that she has throughout the film, puts her headset on, begins conducting. And you realize that she is conducting mm. a live monster hunter orchestra a and all play. these she's surrounded by it's cosplay she's surrounded by people in these it's monsters a, this is a, like monster hunter it's a, a video, a video game. game franchise so it's it's, it's a video it's game a franchise concert of music. oh it is actually something that exists in the real world oh monster yeah hunter, absolutely very real and, oh and, i thought and, they and, just did that as like no, here's no, a random cosplay these things happen know it, in 
Yeah. If you know it well, the pan where they're showing you the costumes is actually the reveal because if fans catch that joke of they recognize everybody's dressed like Monster Hunter right away. For the, the rest of us, we need to wait until we see the name on the screen in the background. But yes, Monster Hunter is a real video game franchise. This is mm-hmm. like the generational, this is the extra generational genius of this movie. Yes. Because yes, it is yeah. a real franchise. These things are an actual, like, cultural oh, phenomenon. These concerts. Are these very concerts. Real. Yeah. And so if you get the joke, there's a universe where you sit through the two hours and 40 minutes for, and it's all an elaborate setup for one giant joke like a like yes, laugh yeah. out loud joke Her like there's so career. much happening what i love about this ending it's crazy and i know it's controversial but what i love about the ending is it shows like remember they they dropped that she got an egot in the beginning she got an emmy she got a tony she got an yeah. oscar or whatever mm-hmm. i think that this might be like there's a movie she did one of these things for money and that she actually is the composer of the music therefore even oh. when she falls from grace and is totally canceled by the establishment that these video game crazy people halfway around the world will still she can secure the bag from them and the the cynical her her cynical pr team is like here's our plan to bring you back you know as if she's kevin spacey or louis ck or something and they're like yeah we'll start with a video game halfway around the world and try to rebuild your thing and you can still and you can still be uh, employable in the way Louis C.K. can still do shows, right? Like he's still employable despite what happened to him. They're he's kind of making. He's, he's nominated Lon, for Grammys now. And Lon, no. what do you think though about the yeah. take, the reviewer interpretation that this was actually her getting back to the thing, like where she started, where the true love of the music, because she's putting yeah. the same level of effort in that she would put into her right. Mahler, and that I, maybe actually this is like this is a reset in all kinds of ways. It's her rebirth because she's like, actually, I just love this and I don't need all of the private jet stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's an better. interesting choice to not like a, a lot of filmmakers and a lot of movies doing this kind of a story, I think, would leave you at the the low point that she's lost everything where to go from here. You know, you can even picture how you would end that version of the movie, a close up on Kate Blanchett's face as she like a she's reached She's reached the absolute rock bottom. The end of then, The Shining when right. he's frozen. It, yeah, exactly. They do that Cut shot, which credits. would have come, which, right. which they did put in the film when she knocks the banker off the podium and it's mine i thought that was the end of the film right remember right. that she charges like, out yeah. yes didn't yeah. you think that was the end like she just that she's so Did crazy you know she showed shot, up and pushed him off that kubrick shot a uh final scene that is not in the film that is oh. never it was it was it was a briefly it like he cut it like the day before the the film hit theaters you're in a hospital and you're mm. tracking down the hospital corridor and you hear something thumping against the wall, but you don't know what it is. And then you pass by uh, Shelly Duvall. She's in one of the beds and a doctor is there. And he's like, Danny's going to be fine. It's just a little, you know, like like a concussion or whatever he's giving her. You're you're both going to be okay. But then you keep panning and you see the thumping is Danny has a ball and he's throwing it against the wall and catching it like Jack Nicholson was Mm. doing earlier. So now he's got the madness. Right. No idea why Kubrick decided not to cut that, but he decided to cut that and he ends it with the close in on the Jack Nicholson. That would have been a better ending, wouldn't it have? It would have been. I really like that. But back to this. So this could (laughs) either be her, this could either be her lowest point or it could be her redemption arc because she also, I just realized not only is she putting all the, you know, the reviewers pointed out she's putting all this care into it. She's rediscovering her love for the music, but she also rediscovers her moral compass as evidenced by the fact that the scene with the goldfish full of women or the fishbowl 
makes her throw up in the street instead of mm, be like, oh, I'll just take right. number five, which is yeah, what I she would have done if she were still yes. in Berlin. I think that's uh, what he's doing. I think it, rather than ending it on the low point, he gives us this little epilogue as a, mm. it is a little bit of a, like, there's, there's potential for like, mm. she might, this might not be the end of her life. This might be the start of a new phase. And she, we know that she has reinvented herself at least once before when she goes home right. and talks to her brother, her name is not Lydia Tarr. She made that up. That's a character she's been playing. She was Linda something. Uh, and so <sighs> I think that the idea is, well, maybe this Lydia Tarr phase was just a phase and we're going to move into the next uh, version. Which is of even more is. challenging for the audience. I didn't get that, that this was a redemption thing at the end. Um, this is why well, this movie is so I fascinating. Think it's ambiguous. I think right. it's ambiguous. But there's so much ambiguity here. Right. And do I want her to be redeemed? So then that right. hits that whole theme of right. like, should you ever be able to come back from being a narcissistic, horrible, abusing, you know, evil person in the world? Who and then under what circumstances? We haven't figured that out as a society. Suicide. Exactly. Like this movie right. is so, mm. it's like the, um, is it Jasper Johns who painted the American flag and revealed it? And it was just, it's just a painting of the flag. And people were like, what are you saying with this? Yeah. What do you yeah, mean I know what by this? About. What it do you like an old flag? And he's like, it's the flag. It's whatever you want it to be. And people were like, it's a statement about this. It's anti-war. It's da-da-da. And he was like, it's just the play. That's like how this movie is. This movie is right. just like, I've got Let's it all. Let's rate the film. You no decide. Wait. And that's what I'm, I think is so disappointing about the Brody. It's like mm. he's trying to be like, the film is saying this. And I think it's it's looking at this complicated, nuanced thing through the lens of this very complicated mm. person. Mm. And, yeah. and and it's just asking questions, you know? It's Tucker yes. Carlson. Just it's asking just asking questions. questions. It's the Jordan I don't think it's saying, here's the answer. I, I thought so this either. was more, say, this is asking. weird. Like, people want to make it left or right leaning. I thought I it was trying it's... to go right down the middle and just say, here's the problem we are faced with as a society. These are the issues we're contending with. And also, here's a descent into madness. Enjoy. We're not trying to assign it, the Tucker Carlson and Jordan Peterson. I was just saying it's yeah. the like, it's just asking questions. And I, right. think, I think this movie legitimately is unlike them, right. to be clear. Unlike right. them, yes. There's, okay, good. Good clarification. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now we go to scoring. There'll be yeah. no eights. No eights. I know nobody's given it a 7.5. So here we go. It's going to be 8.5 and above. Spoiler alert. Out of 10. And uh, I do give 10s to films. I'm just putting it out there. I don't give 10 to employees or team members. I always want to keep them a little hungry. I'll give a 9.5, 9.75. No, there's no chance of that. There's no chance of that. But mm -hmm. in films, I will give a 10. There can be perfect films. Uh, I, I do believe uh, Top Gun Maverick is a perfect film. I give it a 10, up 10. Uh, here we go. Mm -hmm. Going around the horn. Lon, we'll start with you. Your score uh, out of 10. I, I don't know if you if you are opposed to scores as a critic yourself, but let's try. I, I would give it. I mean, I, I would be very I would be very sparing with a 10. I, I think mm. you could give them. But I think that you're talking top film of the several years of the decade, maybe would sure, be a 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm going to go, I think, 9.5 for Tar. I think that's a fair. I think it's a it's one of the best films of the year. I think I think your your theory that when we're looking back on the decade in film, it's going to be one of those titles. I think is probably correct. Okay. Uh, I think mm. I think that happens with uh, with some of the little children and in the bedroom also. Are, I think are on that level and people regard them that way. So I don't think nine point five. Got it. That shocking. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's fair. And on your top ten list, where does it fall? If you're, I know oh, you're still I working on. I can tell you exactly because I keep a running top ten list going okay. all year. Oh, and your notes app or something? You keep it in right for the I year. I do. Okay, it's a Google Doc. Uh, okay, it where is, are you right now? now? It is my number six 
Move it. I, I have it in the AO Scott slot. It's a wow. number six of the year. Wow. You want to hear you the just, top 10? I can read it to you. Give me the top five above it. Uh, yeah. Just so Mad I can. Mad God is number one. The incredible stop motion animated uh, epic, which I heartily recommend. That's on Shudder right now. If uh, okay. Bill Tippett, the special okay. effects master of Star Wars, mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. He okay. made this stop motion animated film. Okay. And Incredible. quickly through the two through six, two through five. I'll, yeah. Okay. I'll go quickly. Number two, Park Chan-wook's Decision to Leave. It is a neo-noir detective thriller romance from Korea. Number mm -hmm. three, after Yang, that's Kogo Nada's uh, incredible sci-fi drama with Colin Farrell. That's on Showtime right things. now. Number yeah. four, Resurrection with Rebecca Hall. Also on Shudder, a thriller with her and Tim Roth. Psychological mm -hmm. thriller. Terrifying, but brilliant. And number five, Nope, the Jordan Peele sci-fi horror film okay. from there Over the Summer. Molly, give us a score here. What do you got? I'm going no, 9.2. Okay. Ooh. I think... It is all of the things we said it is, and also mm. it's too long. I'm sorry, that's long, a real okay. thing. I am. Uh, I'm going to say I, I don't think Mavericks a ten. Actually, take it back. I want to reserve my yeah, ten no. after Alon told me. I'm, like, I'm going to give whoa. both both of these films are nine point fives right now. Both of them require a second viewing a year from now for me to really engage in them. But you know, for me, like a Blade Runner, Gladiator, Goodfellas, you know, those come to mind as my tens. You know, but I need. I need your uh, the master comes out and there will be blood come out. It's tens for me as films. It just takes a little more time for me to see the film a second or third time. Uh, but I'm going to give them both 9.5s. I think this is an incredible film. Uh, thanks for coming along. My you pleasure. should all watch it. It's a very important you film. Should all watch it. Definitely. You should all watch it. It's uh, definitely versus Neptune Frost. Like I don't think many people will enjoy Neptune Frost. You'll, you'll be challenged by it, but it'll, but this is a different thing. You will enjoy this if you give it time. Do an intermission if you need to. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll see, All right, you, well, next we'll see you next time. All bye right. bye.